This past week, one professor at U of T, David Gilmore, sparked quite a lot of negative reaction and some debate on comments he made during an interview with a young woman done while he was chatting with a Frenchman, as he said. Uh, he said that he only teaches his students the best, that he's a middle-aged guy who teaches books written by middle-aged men, not women. Well, Amanda LeDuc uh, wrote an interesting blog post responding to his comments, and she covered other topics as well. Amanda is the author of The Miracles of Ordinary Men, one of the founders also of Barrett for Books, a nude author calendar coming next year. Amanda joins me on the line. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Justine. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So let's start with David Gilmore and uh, these unfortunate comments he made that he's apologized for. As a female author yourself, what was your initial reaction? My initial reaction was, was quite strong, and in the intervening few days, now that he has, you know, come out and apologized and, and tried to make redress for his comments, I'm, I'm feeling a bit bad for him because the, the backlash on him has, has been quite strong. But I think that the point here is that the language that he used in the original article um, in Hazlitt, Hazlitt magazine, sorry, um, was just really inflammatory and, and just even if he says it's off the cuff, I mean, these, these are kind of inexcusable things to say. To say, you know, I, I'm not interested in teaching things by women. Uh, if you want to read something by women, you can go down the hall. Regardless of whether or not he was joking when he said that, it doesn't come across that way in the, the transcript of the interview. And I just, I find it really interesting that he didn't really think about what the ramifications of something like that would be. Um, so I was, when when he you know, when the article came out, I was really kind of puzzled and just sort of surprised. And of mm. course, I felt, as a woman writer, I felt quite sad um, because it's it's not the nicest thing in the world to hear that the work that you put out there in the world is not something that really has a chance of, of being read by somebody like this. Mm. Um, I mean, again, at, over the last couple of days, I've had some time to kind of calm down and try and see where he's coming from. Uh, but I, I think it has definitely ignited a debate in this country about literature and the sort of unintentional biases that people may bring to it, which I think is a good thing because it opens up discussion around the topic. Now, you mentioned in the blog that you've heard similar comments like this from a, a colleague that uh, at the University of St. Andrews when you were there. Uh, and at that time, you had kind of laughed it off or were sort of advised to just laugh it off and ignore it. I mean, what's the worst harm that you think comments like this, like Gilmore's, uh, what's the worst harm that they make? I think the the worst part about comments like David Gilmore's and then, you know, the comment that my colleague made in, in class was not even that they're necessarily, um, there's a lot of strength behind them, like there's a lot of ill will. Um, I mean, I, I don't think David Gilmore was saying these things actively wishing ill will on other female writers. I think mm. what's more troubling is that it, it, it just kind of seemed like a, a standard thing. Like, he didn't really feel as though his views were particularly controversial. Uh, my colleague at the university, I think, felt the same. It was just sort of, you know, something that we were supposed to take at face value. I don't really read books by women because I just don't find them very compelling. That's what my colleague had said to me. And it was just, like, what, what do you do <laughs> with a remark like that? Um, because on the one hand, I can come out right away with a huge list of female authors who I find quite compelling. I can also come out with a list of male writers that I find quite compelling as well. Um, and I guess I just, it's troubling because you think, okay, as a 
professor, in Gilmore's case, as a professor of literature, um, when you're saying that you teach only the best and then your next comment is to say that you don't teach anything by women, do you, are you then meaning that you don't consider women to be in the same category as the best? Mm-hmm. And whether or not he intended for that connection to be made when he spoke those sentences, I'm not sure. Uh, based on what he said afterwards, it seems that he, he does read female writers, but he just doesn't feel like he knows enough about them to teach them in his class. I, I don't know. I, I still have problems with that because he talks about his course. He says, I teach modern fiction, modern American fiction. And to say something like that, this is what I teach, and then I, I, I'm interested in guys, guys. Does that mean that you consider modern American fiction, modern American and Russian fiction, to be comprised only of male, manly men writers? Mm. It just... It's problematic, and I, I really do feel like it's something that we need to open up and discuss and look at how biases like these feed into the literary culture that we have in the country. Now, what do you think about the reaction? I mean, it, it's definitely exploded now, um, but it would, would it be better to just sort of not pay attention to comments like this if you just don't personally agree? I really don't agree with that. I think you really that, have so. to pick your battles here. Um, the Toronto writer, Stacey Mayfalls, she was talking about it on Twitter um, when, the first, when it first came out. And the thing that she said was, you know, it, it's just at this point you, you just kind of have to laugh about it because, it, it, you know, her point being that he's so misguided and seemingly so ignorant about this that, you know, in some sense you think, is, is it really worth it to put, to extend the energy in talking about this and getting all riled up when at the end of the day there are a lot of people who are teaching much more varied courses um, and there's a lot of headway being made in terms of literature that's being written by women and people of color and all these kinds of things. So maybe it's better to just focus on that instead of paying attention to something like this. I, I generally think you need to do a bit of both. Um, you need to, you know, really focus on, on the good things that are being done for literature um, and, you know, the, the looking at the different dynamics and diversity that's inherent in the writing that's coming out of both Canada and, you know, just other countries in general. But I think you need to also conserve energy. And that's what I talked about in my blog post when I was mentioning that my instructor, when I had talked to her about the whole gender politics um, problem of our classroom, and that's basically what she said as well. You need to focus on your work and you just sort of have to go along and, and do the best that you can and, and try not to waste too much energy on, on something that for some people, I mean, it's just kind of ingrained. Mm. Uh, and, you know, no matter what you say, you may not be able to change people's opinions. And you just sort of try and, and make the best mark that you can and, and do the best work that you can and hope that in the end that makes a difference. You know, another comment that uh, Gilmore has made a couple of years ago in, in an older interview is that he thinks Canadian authors are insecure. Do you agree, do you agree with that? I don't. Uh, and I mean, this, this could have something to do with the fact that I'm relatively new to the Canadian literary scene. Um, I lived abroad for a number of years and I came back to Canada probably about three years ago. So my sort of active participation in the community is only based on the last three years, whereas with Mr. Gilmore, he's had quite a bit mm-hmm. more time and exposure to it. So he, he obviously is looking at it from a different perspective than I am. I personally have found the community to be very welcoming and very encouraging, and people are really proud of the work that they're putting out there into the world. Um, I 
don't know because I, I haven't had as much exposure to the prize talk. Uh, I don't know if, if prize talk and, and, you know, movie deals and all that sort of thing really are the first things that people say when they, you know, meet you at a party or, or they're talking about their work. Um, I haven't encountered that so far. Again, I'm moving in different circles than mm. Mr. Gilmore, though, so that may have something to do with it. I, though, haven't really felt like people are insecure in that way. Um, again, I've found it to be a very supportive community. Um, in terms of the focus on awards culture, I, I do think that is something um, that is becoming an issue in Canadian literary culture. And it's yeah, what do, you, what do you think it is doing uh, to insecurity? Um, well, I just think everybody talks about the fall, the fall book season as sort of the height of the Canadian literary year, and part of the reason that they talk about it that way is because that's when all the prizes happen. So, you know, we hit September, and then all of a sudden it's talk about the Giller Prize and the Longlist and the Shortlist and the Rogers Writers Trust and the Governor General's Awards. And, I mean, please, please don't get me wrong here. I, I do think these prizes have done wonderful things for the literary culture in this country. But I think it's also possible to say that they have done a lot for the exposure of Canadian writers both in the country and abroad, uh, and also say there's still things about this mechanism that we can look at and we can change and improve. And are these prizes really opening the discussion about books in the best way possible? Mm. Um, the thing with prizes, I think, is that there's a trajectory that happens wherein you know you, you get everybody excited about a long list and then a short list, and then you get excited about the book that wins the prize, and then the conversation stops until next fall when the award season happens all over again. And I really think, um, as much as the prizes have done a lot for literature in this country, we can be looking at other ways of um, exploring and promoting and just looking at the different kinds of books that are produced in this country every year because there's a lot of really wonderful writing that happens in Canada. 365 days of the year, there's a lot of really wonderful books that get published that fall off the radar as soon as those awards lists are announced because all of a sudden it's all about the books that are going to win the prizes. And Again, not to detract from the prizes at all, because I do think that it's important that we have them. I just think that they are one part of a strong literary culture, and I, I don't want to make it look as though they're the only part of mm -hmm. Canadian literary culture that needs paying attention to. So is there like any uh, one change that uh, you would think of that you'd want to see to sort of make things more positive, maybe? It's hard to come up with... with specific things, and, and that's difficult to have discussions like this, because I don't have, you know, ready answers for these kinds of things. Mm. Um, something like the Barrett for Books campaign, which my colleague Allegra Young and I have been working on over the past year, um, which is producing a 2014 calendar featuring Canadian authors, one author for every month. I mean, that's something that obviously is not being done on the scale of, you know, the Giller Prize or Canada Reads or something like that, but it's something that we can, we're hoping will be able to continue a discussion throughout the year. And you also have wonderful programs, you know, the CBC does wonderful book programs with Sheila Rogers and Eleanor Wachtel and looking at different, you know, writers throughout the country and things that they're working on. Mm -hmm. I'd love to see even more programs like this 
popping up um, and looking at maybe books, you know, having a specific um, slant towards books that are put out through small presses or things like that um, to shed light on books that, you know, might otherwise not get as much attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, the um, Toronto literary critic Stephen Beatty has talked before about um, the Giller effect, as in the Giller Prize being the thing that sort of sucks all the air out of the room once the long list and the short list have been announced. And, you know, he's saying this as someone who loves books and loves the Giller Prize and what it does for the country, uh, it's just a matter of looking at that energy and just finding different ways that we can um, diversify and expand it and include other books into the mix. Amanda, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much for having me.